it brought back memories. Years ago, when we were, at, Amy and I were at Calvary, and I was just, I mean, I, was, I wasn't in the ministry. I was just serving. Uh, they would, our music director would use that song during invitation. And I'll never forget in all my life, years and years ago, the invitations, some of the invitations would just last and last. And, and that, that's not a bad thing. But we were sitting there singing, I surrender all, I surrender all, Lord Jesus, I surrender all. I, I, I got tired of that song, y'all. I mean, at some point, sometime, the preacher would do this right here. Something, he'd make some movement with his hand. And, and what that meant was, let's change it up, buddy. Let's sing something else. Because we still wanted people getting saved, amen? And they were being dealt with. But I mean, whoo, goodness gracious. I, I surrendered all. I, mean, I don't know how many times I surrendered it all. Turn your Bibles to the book of Jude. I had thought that I was going to be getting done with the book of Jude tonight, but it does not look that I'm, like I'm going to. I might, I might not, I'm not sure, we'll see. Y'all just calm down, okay? All right, book of Jude. Last week as we continue in our study of the book of Jude, we heard Jude give several character traits to the apostates he was writing of. Now remember, I've got to emphasize this again. Jude did not want to write these words. He wanted to write something much different, something edifying, something to, to, to build the body of believers up, but he couldn't. God changed his heart, he changed his mind, he changed his pen. And that's what you know, the whole book of Jude is about. So last week we saw more character traits of, of the apostates that he had been writing of. He said these people were disconnected grumblers. We learned that these people were never satisfied and wanted the world to know and be as miserable as they were. Jude then said these people walk by their own desires or lusts, that these lusts drove them and motivated them. And then we learned that these lusts abode where the Holy Spirit of God was supposed to be. That's dangerous, isn't it? So these people's lusts were where the Holy Spirit of God was supposed to be. That if the Holy Spirit is not leading any of us, then some desire or lust is leading us. Jude then told us that these people would use flattering words, not as a compliment to others, but to benefit themselves in hope of future services or benefits for themselves. We then, uh, and then Jude reminded believers that this would be seen more and more and more as we drew closer to Christ's return. And that there, there would be more and more people that have these traits. Now tonight we'll hear Jude's plea with believers to look closely. To look closely. So we're going to pick up in verse 20, two small verses tonight. Verse 20 says this, Jude writes, But you, all right, point to yourself. Thank you. Donna, you didn't point to yourself. Okay. But you, dear friends, remember. I wish, I, I'm going to have to start, I'm going to get another notebook page in my spiral notebook as I study. And every time I see this word remember, it's all throughout Scripture. Why? Why? Because we so easily forget. Even believers. He's writing this to believers. He says, remember the words foretold to you by the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. They told you, wait a minute, whoa, 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 whoa. excuse me. Y'all listen. Let's go back to verse 20. <laughs> but you, dear friends, building yourselves up in the most holy faith 
and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, expecting the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Let's pray. Father, again, we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins. Lord, please open our minds that we might receive a word from you tonight. Please bless the reading of your word and help us, Lord, to see what we need to see tonight to be better servants for you. In Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. All right. John Phillips titles this portion of his commentary as The Plea. The Plea. It's a plea to Christians in light of what we've just studied these past few weeks through his writings. We now know what the apostates of that day were doing, much as we know what they're doing in the day that we live. Maybe even seeing their actions intensified, as we learned last week, that, that we would see more and more in the end times. Jude pleads. Jude's plea is directed towards actions we as true believers can take in our lives to further the gospel cause. And that's, that's what our intent should be in all that we do, is to further the gospel cause. So he gives us actions. Now, we must now see the plea knowing that it's in its rightful place. We must read the plea and understand it is directed towards us as well. As the end times grow closer and prophecy is unfolding, the lost, listen, the lost will need our direction. But so will true believers in Christ. Well, why, why will true believers in Christ? Well, not all true believers in Christ are where they ought to be. Right? They're, they're, they're going to need our direction. When they ask, what should we do? We can point them to the verses that we just read tonight. So, what do we see in our scripture tonight? We first see in verse 20, again, who these verses are directed towards. Who are they directed towards? Believers, Christians, true believers, Christians. And then we see uh, our first directive. He gives us our very first directive. He says, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. Building yourselves up in the most holy faith. Commentator and author Bill Austin says that what we have just read, the, 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 the worst of Jude's writings, and there, there must be positive action as well, as well as negative objection. So how are we to build up this holy faith? Now, as you think about this, you think of people building. What, what do you start with when you build? When you go out to a, a piece of property that you've just bought and, and you decide, okay, I, I've got some prints and you get, get the prints from the architect and, and you pay this fee and that fee and this fee and that fee and the government and the city and, and the state, they've all gotten all your licenses. Uh, you know, what's the first thing that you're going to do? Yeah, you're going to start with your foundation. What is our foundation? Knowing that your faith brings you everything as a Christian, without faith in Christ, you have no foundation. None. None. You're on seeking sand. Scripture tells us we're on seeking sand. What does this foundation of faith do? Well, it's a starting point. How many of y'all, when y'all first accepted Christ as your personal Savior, your faith was 100%? Well, no. 
I mean, we, we still, we, we had faith, we put our faith in Christ, but as we progress in our knowledge and our, in our prayer life and getting in the Word of God, our faith grows, does it not? When we experience Christ, when we feel the presence of Christ, when we know we are with Christ, our faith grows. But our faith has to be the absolute foundation as we look at this tonight, what Jude's talking about tonight. Number two, our faith grows as we spend time in the Word. Is there anybody here who wants to stand up and testify and say, look, you know, I spend all the time I need to in the Word of God. I wake up in the morning and I, I do a devotion with the Lord and, and I read my scripture. I've got an app on my phone and it gives me my daily scripture and, and I read my daily scripture. And sometime around lunchtime after I feed my body, I, I'll go to the scriptures and I'll feed my spirit and, and I, I'll read a little bit from the Word of God. And, and later on that afternoon after the kids are put to bed and the wife you know, you know, is down, you know, I'll pick up the Bible and, and, and I'll read some more of the Bible. I, but that's, that's enough. I, I'm, I'm full. I'm, is anybody want to testify to that? There's never been a point in my time in my life as a Christian where I felt like I've read the Bible enough. Never. This is what happens. I don't, I, don't, I don't know where God has directed me when we finish the book of Jude. I have never preached through the book of Job, and I love the book of Job. Look at Desi. Desi's, I just do. I love the story of the book of Job. I don't, I don't know that he will because there's so much commentary, but we'll, we'll see. But I've read the book of Job, I can't tell you how many times, but every time I pick up the book of Job and I start reading through it, it's, it just refreshes me. And I, every time I read a proverb every single day, what proverb should I have read today? Seven, because it's the seventh, right? It's the book of wisdom. Every time I've read through the book of Proverbs, I can't tell you how many times. Once a month. But it's still refreshing. Why? Because that's what the Word of God does. It draws you to God. Our faith grows as we get into and have scriptural knowledge of the Word of God. How else does our faith grow? Our, our, our faith grows when we spend time in prayer. Here again, there's never been a time where I, in my Christian walk that I've ever felt, well, you know, like my prayer life is solid and I pray too much. I'm, I, you know, I need to pull back from my prayer life. Has anybody felt that way? No. Is there anybody in here who feels like I pray too much? Can we pray too much? Absolutely not. Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. That's exactly right. Pray in everything. Lord Jesus, I'm getting ready to walk outside. I pray that the humidity has dropped since we came back in here. I mean, is that a frivolous prayer? No. Hey, listen, let's pray it. Please, please, please pray it. Funny thing this afternoon, I'm sitting there relaxing, and one of my friends from Kentucky that Amy and I met on a trip we took years ago, he texts me, he says, hey, man, what you doing? I'm thinking, man, you, you know I'm a preacher. I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready to head back to the church. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm up here in Kentucky suffering in this heat and humidity. It's, it's, it rains one day, and it's hot, hot, hot. I'm tired of the humidity. And I'm thinking, and this is what I wrote him back. I said, really? Can, and, Quotations, Kentucky, humidity, LOL, LOL, face emojis and all that. I mean, come on, right? He, he, don't, he don't know what, what it is. But prayer. Church, we, we can't pray enough. 
We can't pray enough. We'll never pray enough. He says our faith, our faith grows in another way. When we spend time with God. When we spend time, how, 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 Brother Kyle, how do you spend time with God? How, how is it you spend time with God? Well, sometimes I don't have to say anything at all. I just come in here and I mean, I just, I, I sit in the pew. And I offer that to you. Listen, church, if you're, if you're riding by and you, you're having a rough day and you see the car here or my car here or Becky's car here or you got a key, you can just come in here and sit in the sanctuary. Just spend time with God. It's, it's absolutely amazing to just come in this sanctuary when there's nobody else here, sit in a pew or kneel down here and pray. Just spend time with God. And listen, this, this, is, this is great. Tell God, God, I've, I'm, I, I need you. Just like the song we sang this, sun, this morning. I just came here to spend some time with you. And you don't have to say anything. You don't have to say a word. And I'm telling you, it builds your faith in who he is. But there's something else you can do. Our faith grows when we allow God to use us. Now, what's the key word there? Allow. Does God want to use us? Yes. Listen, that's what God created us for, to serve him from the tops of our heads to the tips of our shoes. God created us for us to serve him while we're on, here, on this earth. As a matter of fact, the scripture we looked at this morning said a slave. Well, I ain't going to be nobody's slave. I'll be a slave to Jesus. You sit down. Amen? God created us to serve him. And he, he wants us to serve him. But we have to allow God to use us. Y'all know what I'm talking about. The Holy Spirit of God's told you to do something in times past, just like he's told me to do in times past. I'm like, yeah, that's not God. I'm, I'm making that up. And little did I know as, as you know, two minutes goes by, I realized that it was God. Well, what do we do to change that? We need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit that's living within us. And I'd rather, I'd rather not err on the air of caution and do what I think the Holy Spirit is leading me than to not do it and displease God. I mean, what, what's, what's the worst can happen? Well, it wasn't God. But I promise you, nine times out of ten, it's going to be God. It's going to be God. There's something else we can do as, as our faith grows. Our faith grows, and some of y'all might find this, this funny. Pastor's just trying to get an extra one thrown in here. But no, our faith grows when we fellowship with other believers. It does. When we fellowship with other believers, our faith grows. And I'm not talking about just a fellowship back here. Hey, listen, when the men came up here and we cleaned up out the, the, uh, the playground, that was a great day of fellowship. We enjoyed it, really. And, and we'll talk about it. We, we probably need to do some more of it here before too long. Uh, we, we're going to have to do some more work in here. But what, Bill, what was it that you were talking about the other day that we need to get done? Oh, the walkways. Yeah, we need to work on the walkways because the boards underneath them are... And we, we fellowship just by working. We really do. Amen? Pay close attention to the wording in verse 20. It says, building yourself up. He says, building yourself up. One more time. He says, building yourself up. 
Well, what that means is I, I can't give you the desire or the ability to build your faith for the days that are coming. You must build your, yourself up. No one can do this for you. I, I'm glad we sang that song about joy because it seems like the joy suckers are out there in full force in the days that we live in. I mean, everything sucks our joy out of us. Does it not? And we let it. We, we cannot let it. We cannot let the joy that God has given us be just sucked out of us all the time. What, what do you have to do? You, you've got to take care of yourself. I can't do it for you, Dale. I can't, I can't you know, make you turn the TV off. I can't, I can't make you quit reading all the negative stuff all over the place. I, I can't. But I can me. Where does our focus need to be? We talked about that this morning. Our focus needs to be on the things that we can't see, not the things that we can see. That's what we need to focus on because the things that we can't see are eternal. That's where our focus needs to be. I can't change your focus. You can't change my focus, but I can change mine and you can change yours. Jude then directs the believer to pray in the Holy Spirit. Did y'all see that? Now, we need to be careful to understand what it is that Jude's saying here, as others have given this scripture a whole new meaning. Commentator and Bible scholar Austin says this, the method of communication with God is commonly known as prayer, but it's different from the prayer of all other religious-minded humans. It is experience of literally living in the Spirit and allowing Him to have free reign I surrender all, remember that? Having the Spirit free reign to help us communicate with the Lord. It is a prayer that depends not on the bodily posture. It doesn't depend on the spiritual position. It's a prayer expressed by personal yearnings. Y'all ever just sat down and prayed and, I mean, just yearned for God? You ever done that? It comes from, he says, from personal yearnings and experience. But by, not, by not by repetition of official words. It's a prayer unceasing, not bound by certain times, places, clothings, rituals, or phrases, or lighting of candles. The Christian prays as he lives and lives as he prays. That's good, wasn't it? Those aren't my words, but I'm going to say them again, Reagan. You paying attention? You writing this stuff down? Listen, he says this. He says, the Christian prays as he lives and lives as he prays. Church, Jude is telling believers to pray in the Spirit. Well, how do you do that? Just like, you know, you come in here sometimes, and all you have to do is just sit. And you don't have to come in the church. You can sit in your car. You can sit in your house and say, Lord, I just came to spend some time with you. There, there's been times in my life, y'all, where I, I've been so distraught at, at different, different things that are going on. I've just prayed this prayer. Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sins and where I fail you. Holy Spirit, I don't know what to say. Please speak on my behalf and just let me sit here in silence. Y'all ever done that? I don't know what to say. Well, why, why don't you know what to say? Because I've said it a hundred times. 
I, I don't want my, my, my prayer life to be vain repetition. Now, there's some things that I pray over and over and over again. I pray scripturally, Lord, help me to love that woman like you love the church. Help me to love her more than I've ever loved anything. Lord, please help me to love her that way because that's the way you tell me to love her. But how many times can you ask him for the same thing? Now, again, Scripture says pray without ceasing, but there's certain times in your life you're just like, Lord, I'm here. Holy Spirit, speak on my behalf, please. And he does. He does. Jude then tells believers to keep yourself in the love of God. Did y'all see that? He said, keep yourselves in the love of God. Now, this plea from Jude is somewhat hard to understand. It almost resembles the plea that we just talked about given to build your faith, to build on your faith. For me, it was his use of the word in. In. Keep yourselves in the love of God. John Phillips says this about the certain plea, this certain plea of Jude. This is an inward look at ourselves. The word keep means to watch over or to keep an eye on. We can never escape God's love. Can I get everybody to agree with that? We can never escape God's love. But listen to this. Let me say it one more time. Deborah, we can never escape God's love, but we can cease to enjoy it. We can't remove ourselves from God's love, but we personally can cease to enjoy it by allowing some sort of bitterness to spring up in our hearts as a result of controversy. So we must be ever watchful, uh, Philip says, we must be ever watchful to ensure that combat does not overwhelm compassion. That hate for apostasy does not degenerate into hatred for the apostate. Does Jude tell us anywhere as he's speaking of apostates of that day to hate them? No, he doesn't. And he says to be careful that our zeal does not become, does not become zealots. And our zeal that we do not become zealots. What's, what's a zealot? A zealot was a religious person who, who could rightly dif differentiate between what was right and wrong in Scripture, and instead of saying, okay, listen, you're, you're, you're wrong, and we'll just have to learn to agree to disagree, and I'll pray for you, the zealot would say, okay, I'm going to wipe you out. I'm going to destroy you by any means necessary. And what Phillips is saying here is we have to make sure that in our zeal, we, us, Christians, do not become zealots. Brother Kyle, I'm not going to kill anybody. I, I'm not going to kill anybody. You know, I'm not, I don't want to go to jail. But you can kill them with your words. You can kill them with your tongue. You really can. Now, Jude then tells believers in his next plea, to do something. He says, expect the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Expect this mercy. Expect it. Have we experienced the mercy of God? Oh, yeah. But this is future. He says, expect God's mercy. Well, how in the world can he give us 
even more mercy. How can, we, how can we do this? Jude tells us to expect the mercy at the end times as end times approach, and his mercy is seen over and over and over and over again uh, throughout as we approach the end times. Uh, there is mercy, church, when we see the end times prophecy taking place. There's mercy there. We were told these days were coming. Amen? I mean, it, it would be unmerciful if these days come and we didn't know anything about it. And there's people who are that way. Christians who, I mean, they're, they're, they're going to be blindsided. Why is they're, they're blindsided? Why is this happening in our world? Why is everything falling apart? And they are just unwound, y'all. And I, I'm like, it's all in here. Have you not read Matthew 23 and 24? Have you not read the book of Daniel? Have you not read the, oh, I mean, the book of Revelation? It's all in here. But they're going to come unraveled because they didn't see it coming. But that's mercy. God showed us. We see mercy, church, when Christ raptures the church. And we flee God's coming judgment. I deserve that coming judgment. I do. But God is going to exceed the mercy standard when he takes us out of here prior to the tribulation. But we see mercy when God tells the 144,000 witnesses that will come during the time of tribulation. And there, there will be mercy experienced when, when those who were saved by their actions of the 144,000. Church, there is mercy when we stand before the Lord and do not get what we rightly deserve. That's the coming mercy. He says, expect the mercy. This is the hard part. I just don't feel like I deserve it. I don't. You're right. But through Christ, it's a gift. It's a gift. It's just like the glory of God that lives inside of us. Church, I often wonder as I read Scripture, like we've studied tonight, how close did the writers feel they were to the return of Christ by what they were seeing in their societies? I believe that we should be in expectation of the return of Christ every single day. I'm not looking for any more signs. I'm listening for a sound. Amen? Have y'all noticed, noticed the clouds here lately? I mean, they're just like ginormous. They're not just the thin ones that float. They're ginormous. And, 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 and I see, you know, Christ breaking the eastern sky just parting the clouds. I really do. We should expect His return every single day. That expectation should both thrill us and scare us at the same time. The thrill should be by the promises we have because of the mercy God tells us to expect. And the fear should come because we know we could have and should have done more for the cause of Christ. In these two verses, we can feel God calling us to be more for him. Now my question to you in closing is this. Will you? Will you be more for him? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, again, we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins. And we thank you for your word. 
We thank you for Jude's writing. Lord, we pray that you would help us right now to, to see ourselves as you see us. God, God, help us as the days grow darker to focus on you, to focus on you and the promises you've made us. In Jesus' name I do pray. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come and just spend some time with the Lord this evening?